Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's show. This week, I have with me Andreas Forslund, founder and CEO of Cognition. Welcome, Andreas. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to you today. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward, uh, forward to it as well. You've got some unique things, and I think the audience will really enjoy um, hearing about, about what you have. And, you know, on your website, it talks about neuroprosthetic software and, of course, wearable technology. Uh, what is that? Explain it to everybody. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so, well, neural is, is an extension of your, your nervous system, right? So it's an extension of your brain and your body. So uh, we try and look for ways to use your senses, uh, so your five senses, and thinking about ways to tap into those senses, um, either for research uh, or for making it possible for people to control uh, applications uh, using their nervous system. As far as a prosthetic goes, there's a lot of people in the world that have different kinds of disabilities. Uh, most of those disabilities might range from things you might be familiar with, where they might have a physical disability, uh, such as a stroke, or they might have had a spinal cord injury, which makes it right. difficult for their, their to control their body. Uh, others are invisible disabilities, where there might be uh, genetic uh, or progressive, such as multiple sclerosis uh, or Rett syndrome or autism. So uh, when we think about neural prosthetics, it's making technology, either hardware or software, that makes it easier for people who have different kinds of abilities to access, you know, the applications and internets just like anyone else. Yeah, so you've had a lot of experience on the software side making apps for this, and now you've also extended that to a wearable device. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, Dan, we're, we're excited to start to give a first look at what the Cognition One is. We've been working on it for years. Uh, it's essentially a brain-computer interface. Uh, that's combined with augmented reality. So it's a first of its kind, complete integrated system. Uh, and most of your viewers know what augmented and virtual reality is. Uh, but what this does is takes it to the next level and provides an extra sense as an access method for controlling augmented or mixed reality. So if you see on the back of that headset there, there's a pad on the back with a set of uh, small little electrodes. Um, those are making contact with the back of your scalp. And what it's doing is it's reading your brain waves, and based on uh, what you're looking at in the display, uh, the BCI uh, can detect what you're looking at through the visual cortex of the back of your brain. So as you're looking at objects in virtual reality, uh, we can determine what objects you're looking at uh, through your brain waves. Uh, based on sort of a synchronicity, if you think about your brain through your visual cortex, is starting to harmonize with the information you're actually visually looking at through your optic nerve. Yeah, so there have been uh, numerous companies. Uh, I remember, you know, probably eight years ago, I saw um, a headset that controlled um, a drone and they were advertising at one of the augmented uh, reality conferences. And of course it, it didn't work quite well enough. And, you know, but with the, with the billions of uh, neurons in your, in your brain, um, how are you guys with just a few little sensors that you have enabling uh, to uh, gain, uh, uh, connect those signals to your, to your interface and then, and then convert it into something that the computer can understand? Yeah, well, without getting too technical, <laughs> um, yeah. you can go down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so, so where a lot of the science and research and development has gone in the past has been the BCI part of it uh, has been sort of just a read-only system. It's been trying to read your brain waves and try right. and infer your, intent, your intention. And so 
the challenge with a read-only system is they're very slow and you don't get that biofeedback, right? You don't get that immediate feedback of, oh, I'm doing it right, so do more of what I'm doing, or I'm not doing it right and do less of what I'm doing. So what we've created is a closed loop design um, where we're Look, based on what you're looking at, we're seeing very, very, you know, very fast responsiveness within the augmented reality interface based on how it's resonating with my brainwaves. So we're seeing that number one, a closed loop system is the way to go, which improves the usefulness of BCI. The other is most of those types of BCIs focus on what's called uh, motor imagery. So if you think about uh, movement of your body, um, what they're what they try and teach you to do is focus and meditate and uh, try and imagine raising or lowering a drone. And so it takes a long time for your brain to process that or for the EEG to process that. So for us, we're taking the opposite approach. We're taking explicit objects you're looking at. We're encoding those objects with specific kinds of attributes. And so we're not trying to look at all the things that your brain does. We're only hunting for those specific attributes that are associated with holograms. So if you imagine seeing six items in front of you, well, those six items, the sort of um, electrical signature, the frequency that's associated with those six items is very distinct from just your general brain waves. So we can parse that specific signal out for item A versus B very, very fast. Let's give the viewers um, a sample of what the user might experience. And um, I've got uh, an example here of someone who's wearing the Cognition One. And tell us what he, he, he or she is doing. Yeah, so, so this person is basically, uh, this is targeted towards someone who can't communicate verbally. So they're interacting with the holographic buttons. It's a set of uh, menu tree, uh, a list of uh, words and phrases that have been configured to assist with communication. So this person is saying, hello, Alice, uh, by fixating on particular objects and clicking and drilling down through a set of menus to assemble a phrase or sentence. And then based on the sentence, when they feel compelled that that sentence is complete, they can initiate either saying it out loud to the person in front of them, or if somebody's not around, they can actually send that uh, uh, expression, they can send it to them over the network, right? So they can either send it to them as a text message, or they can actually send it as an, a verbal command to an AI assistant, like a Google Home or an, or an Alexa uh, over the Wi-Fi. So now you have a wearable communication system that can help people that have difficulty communicating to actually generate speech. So it speaks out loud. Uh, it can display what actually was composed on the display on the AR headset. Um, and it can also send those commands out. So if I don't want to tell someone to turn on the lights, I can actually do it myself. Uh, that's the point, right? Is to provide a lot more independence and agency for individuals, uh, yeah, who have limitations. Yeah, I, uh, I think- What's really cool about this is that it can actually go way beyond that, but that's where we're starting. Yeah, so it's AI assisted and it allows you to do things like speech translation um, and home automation. And what else can you do? I noticed that, by the way, that the, the person that he or she is talking to can actually see the text on the, on the display. Yeah, yeah, we've, we're, uh, we have quite a few patents pending on, on this system on different aspects of it. And that's one of them, which is this uh, notion of, you know, in virtual reality, it's a first person experience. You're closed in the box and you're interacting with people in their own box. Uh, with augmented reality, it's a clear lens, right? So you see the world and the world sees you. 
and so in this instance, um, we looked at this and said, well, that clear interface, that, that, that lens can actually be an intermediary between me and you. So the augmented reality isn't just a first person experience, it's actually a social experience. And so we're looking at this in the sense that can, can we actually truly augment reality uh, for these individuals uh, by being able to display not only the text for me in stereo, in my eyes, but I can also reverse the text, enlarge it, display it mono across the front so the person across from me can actually see it too. So if I'm in a noisy environment or I'm at a Starbucks or something and, and they couldn't hear what I was trying to order, it would actually say, you know, uh, peppermint mocha, please. <laughs> so, I, I, which is actually I, you know, I, you can you can envision here, so. a lot of industrial uh, enterprise spaces that 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 visual instead of the spoken word could be rather important to improve the safety of of whatever the tasks they're they're they happen to be doing. Hundred percent. Yeah. So this is really, I believe, we're at this inflection point where you know all of the. Uh, all of the right things are starting to converge, right? Over the next few years, we're gonna see a huge uh, surge in growth. You're starting to see the hockey stick with regards to mixed reality, especially in like what you're saying, Dan, industrial applications, B2B applications, healthcare applications. And so for us, what we're trying to do is we're looking at it in a really practical way. Like what are, what are some real useful use cases for augmented reality? Um, and how can we uh, you know, really deliver on a good experience for that and create that utility? Um, so the funny thing is um, uh, we're kind of looking at it as, a, um, you think about it as assisted reality. You know, so right. this notion of it's not just augmented reality, it's actually assisted reality where the system and the embedded AI can actually help someone get something done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you've you've been primarily focused on healthcare at up to this point. Is that a true statement or? Yeah, yeah. We we've sort of toggled between healthcare and education as our two main channels. Um, that's really where we focus. And so do you see yourself expanding this year into more of the traditional industrial sectors? Um, us as a company, probably not. I think we would partner with distributors or other organizations around the world that focus on those industries. Uh, so starting next, uh, well, I say next year, it's already next year, it's 2021. Um, uh, so we're going to be working with resellers uh, around the world uh, to make Cognition One available. Uh, and we're going to be primarily starting with uh, initially within the research industry. So research laboratories, uh, psychology and physiology research labs, uh, corporate university uh, and clinical uh, labs. They're going to be the first ones that are going to get their hands on it. Uh, and then we're going to be also moving into healthcare ourselves, looking for healthcare distributors. But if there's industrial partners out there that have interesting use cases for this, we don't definitely be open to talking to them. And, you know, I, I mean, it's clear to see, you know, how this can help people that have communication disorders, uh, cerebral palsy, ALS, a number of other types of things. Um, I, I have to assume that you probably have some medical personnel on staff to help you and guide you through uh, what is reasonable for for this technology? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not only is the technology complicated and hard, right? But it's also, you know, you want to make sure it's ethical, it's comfortable, it, you know, it's not going to do any harm to anybody. Uh, so we actually have two clinical uh, certified clinical speech pathologists on staff, uh, and then we also have created uh, what we call our Brainiac Council. Our Brainiac Council is a, <laughs> a, a large and growing advisory group. So. 
we have a, a mixed group of end users with disabilities. We have neurologists, we have assistive technology advocates. Um, I mean, we have people from very large corporations um, that are involved. And so uh, we have a wide group uh, that's really keen on finding ways to make what we're doing uh, accessible and good. Um, and then we also have uh, neuroscientists on staff as well. So on our development team, you know, we have cognitive neuroscientists, we have uh, biomechanical engineers, uh, AI experts, et cetera. So um, it's kind of an interesting, uh, as a CEO of a company, it's kind of interesting because we're doing things that have, I've personally never done before, right? So I enjoy every day coming into work and working with really phenomenal people with all kinds of different disciplines and bringing these people together uh, to create a solution. Well, I guess some, some point in the near future, we'll see a honorary MD title after your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'd be happy just with like, I'd, you know, changing a billion lives. Um, I'd, I'd be happy with that. That'd be great. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, it's I, I've seen so many different devices uh, over the past 12 months that have been impacted by uh, COVID and have been able to help the human condition. Um, how how has COVID impacted you guys? Well, you know, it's interesting because it's impacted us in a number of ways. Um, the first is when we started the company, I used to work at Citrix. And so, you know, I've kind of got, you know, remote work in my DNA. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so, so this, this world of everybody being distributed, that's super comfortable for us. And, and as a company, we've, we've always embraced the work from anywhere uh, philosophy. So, so that hasn't really disrupted us too badly. Uh, we're, we're based in Santa Barbara, California, but we are also in Toronto, Ontario. <clears throat> so we've always kind of had a remote work kind of collaborative uh, situation. Um, but what, what, how it's negatively affected us is it, it's sort of, you know, the, the, the need to be able to work with people with disabilities and actually do human factors testing. So in our product sure. development process, we, we go out into the field, we visit with people in their homes, uh, we try out the gear, uh, we capture data, et cetera. We get their opinions about how it feels and how it works, et cetera. So um, that specifically, um, we've had to adapt uh, pretty significantly. You know, we get all the PPE going and, and sign a lot of waivers and make sure we're scheduling and we're very secure and clean and, um, and, and, and vice versa. So um, that's something that's super important. Uh, and it's also affected, I'd say earlier in last year, uh, it affected the industry pretty severely because of education. Uh, you know, a lot of the schools were disrupted. And so uh, for us to be able to access or bring our software to the people with disabilities, often it included having people like speech therapists uh, working with those students in the classroom. So that, that kind of went away. So we kind of had to wait until the speech therapy industry uh, adapted to COVID and they figured out how to do remote therapy. And then once they sort of figured out ways to do remote evaluations and therapies, then we could re-engage with that. So we, we sort of pivoted, I don't say pivoted, but we, we shifted some of our internal efforts and priority uh, last year um, away from marketing uh, and more towards just double down on development. So we doubled down right. on the Cognition One. So, so we actually cut our actual uh, release schedule in half. So we were able to put a lot more effort into getting our headset ready and everything like that. So, um, so when, do you, yeah, when so, do you plan to launch and make it available? We're, yeah, yeah. The initial units are going to be available late summer uh, this year. And to get a hold of you, the best way? Best way is to visit one.cognition.com. That's O-N-E spelled out, O-N-E dot cognition, C-O-G-N-I-X-I-O-N.com. Uh, and there you can learn more about the product. Uh, we have press images you can download. 
uh, and we have a form there. So if you want to get onto the early uh, list uh, of first uh, people who want to get their hands on it, uh, there's a form down there that you can let us know that your interest level. Uh, and yeah, so that's the best way is to go to one.cognition.com. Well, I think with that invitation, you're probably going to get a lot of people that are going to reach out to you and try to get their hands on a, on a device. <laughs> well, wonderful. We're looking forward to that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I think this is it's a really exciting time. I think, you know, the really the future of mixed reality uh, is is really going to be multisensory, you know, uh, and, you know, the day where having, you know, uh, wands and things that you your have hands control, out there control stuff. Yeah, the days that th those are going to go away, right? Uh, you know, a lot of those uh, gesture controllers are going to become wearables, like, you know, sensors on your arms, uh, the ability to actually interact with content, whether you're in virtual reality or augmented reality is going to be much more driven by eye tracking um, and other biological sensors like what we're doing with regards to brainwaves. Um, so we really see sort of the next big step in moving that platform into something that truly is an extension. Uh, a bionic extension. So like you said earlier, when we first started talking about we're focused on neural prosthetics. Um, well, ultimately, we all have neural prosthetics today, you know, our phone is a prosthetic. Sure. So, you know, so, so this what we're doing is no different. It's just the next generation of it. Yeah, well, we're looking forward to seeing it. And I'm looking forward to see how it impacts the lives of all those people out there that can really use it. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I hope you have a great year. Yeah, and you too. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you. And uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, coming to coming on the show and talking about the Connection One.